Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living by the Law, the podcast discussing fictional worlds and how wondrous and ridiculous they are. My name is Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jude and Guy. Living by the Law is not currently sponsored. If you wish to sponsor us, find your favourite piece of cutlery in your house and raise it to the sky. Carve your sponsorship offer into the air. We will hear you. We always do. This time on Living by the Law, we dive into the world of Warhammer Fantasy where we look at the various races and the history of the High Elves. This episode may contain spoilers for the history of Warhammer Fantasy. saw a man eating canned pineapple out of his cup holder today while driving. It was that's, an excellent experience. That's amazing. Where were you driving? I, I see this guy. I was on fucking, uh, like, a main highway. I was on Nepean Highway for any Melbourne <laughs> out there. It's not that the stock is in wait, on this. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How, how did you see into his car? Because I drive a four-wheel drive, and he had a little sedan, and I was ah. stopped next to him at the lights, and I looked into his car, and I saw him eating pineapple rings. Nice. It is, it is a weird dynamic having big cars and small cars, right? Oh, you really great. do get like I a, love looking down. You get a control aspect. I think it's I like tell a you, when I when I when I drove up to Sydney the other week, um, I was in this like gigantic Ute truck thing that and yeah, you just fucking tower over cars and it's terrifying. Like I was driving it and then just like pulling up next to someone and you just like peek over and it's great. Um that's funny, so that Sydney trip, I was on the way to play some tabletop games, and that's what our episode today is about. It is about fantasy world I think it's really interesting <laughs> that uh, smaller um, cars, uh, like sports cars, are like the really popular cars, are really close to the ground. I never want to be close to the ground. I feel like you have way more control if you're up in the sky. Okay, yeah, we get it, we get it. You're used to small things, though. Matt. My so, girlfriend has a Suzuki Swift, and it is the smallest car ever, and she gives me fucking anxiety every goddamn time she goes for a reverse park or tries to pull out of a park, because yep. the turning circle on that thing is so small. Anyway, so yeah. Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy is what we're talking about today. <laughs> More did, specifically, did you know, did you know, the guy, elves. That the, uh, the study of flags is um, And we're going to be, we're gonna be and, talking um, about a particular really part of the Warhammer Fantasy elves, and we're going to be talking about a particular part of their history, but... First off, I am going to give you a little bit of background because, yeah, you, you need some background. Um, tell me so about why I those... should give a fuck about these elves against all other types of elves. What tell me why I should give a fuck about Warhammer, full stop. That's, that's where I'm starting, because what the fuck is a Warhammer? Um, what is a Warhammer? What is a Warhammer? Something so Warhammer is a tabletop miniatures strategy battle game created by Games Workshop. While there are many, 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 many different tabletop mini games these days, from Star Wars to Marvel superhero brawls to historical World War II games to Napoleonic era, yeah, man, it's fucking insane. People play Spider Man and punch up Hell Iron Man. It's, yeah, it's 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 actually quite popular. I have That's never touched sick. it personally, but some people are really into it. Um, <clears throat> the faction breakdown's really weird in it, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, the uh, I'm not so Warhammer is arguably the biggest one that started everything in terms of big mainstream tabletop strategy game stuff, and it was really the one from Games Workshop, their big original flagship thing that took off and made it like a big known thing. 
nerdy as fuck thing, obviously, and um, their original... It's very amusing when you look back on, like, their original rule books and just see, like, the absolute classic 80s neckbeard being, like, the picture of every... This is how you do this part of the turn. Anyway, um, <laughs> they knew their target audience. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about the game at all, really, because I don't really care about the game all that much. Um, and We just eh. care about the lore here. Exactly. Which, 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 number, which number Warhammer is there? Cause I this is just Warhammer. Just Warhammer. There's Warhammer 40,000, which is the futuristic one. There's Warhammer um, two. No, I think no, there's Warhammer. You're thinking three. of the Steam. You're thinking of the Total War games. Total War. Because mm. there's Total War Warhammer, <laughs> Total War Warhammer two, and Total War. It Warhammer has Warhammer 3. in the no, name. No, you are Matthew. right. They are actually the part of Warhammer <laughs> and the world that I am more interested in, and they're the games that I actually play because I'm a big fan of Total War and I love the lore and setting of the Warhammer world. It's a really cool setting, and the Total War games are a really fun way of exploring it. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. We are um, going to talk about that because the um, all you need to know is originally they made a game with fantasy models and that game no longer exists. They removed it because it crashed and they replaced it with a different game that's really shit. Um, they moved on to other things, whatever. But the fact is the IP still exists and there are still people using that world to create things. There's still authors under the Games Workshop brand that are... Um, producing various novels and stories and stuff in the world. There's still people out there producing custom rules that people can use. There's people out there doing all sorts of stuff with it under the official company. There's games like Total War Warhammer coming out. There's mobile games coming out. There's a lot of stuff based on the world. It was a really cool world, basically. Um, And so the world they made, yes? I I, I know that... Okay. To get people kind of, like, into it, I feel... Uh, I know that um, I've seen that like Warhammer 40k is like space marines and shit like that, but I've also seen that some stuff with like Warhammer of like a man riding a unicorn alongside a tank into battle. Is That's that what we're going to talk about. That's what I'm literally about to get into. Fuck yeah! Okay, um, that so is what hooks me into this. The story. world, the world they made. Um, this whole world, I will say, as you dive in, as I get to dive into it more, it is one of my favorite pieces of lore and some of my favorite fictional characters. Just they had a lot of fun making this world. Um, but the Warhammer Old World, as it is known in the community, is kind of a high fantasy mishmash of epic proportions. You have clear elements lifted and borrowed from other classic fantasy tropes, and you have uh, classic Games Workshop touches, but ultimately I believe it is one of the few worlds that I have seen where I think anyone can find something that they enjoy in this setting. No matter what your fantasy is, you can find something or a faction that explores that in this world. Um, And that is part of what made it such a successful game in the first place. Um, The world itself is... Uh, with all its intricate races, is simply too crazy and big to get through today, and I would never try that in one episode. So I'm do going it. to... But I am going to do <laughs> a quick fire through the different factions in the world at the time of the game, um, and then we will dive into our focus for this episode, because I know that you would f- not forgive me if I didn't talk about some of these factions, and the little tasters that you get of different types of fantasy through them. I so, have been watching Jude hmm. play Warhammer 2 on Discord for a couple yes. nights now, and there are some factions I need. What the fuck? What the fuck? Something's going on. We're having technical difficulties. 
Okay, our speaker just played music randomly. That was random. Um, you were saying, guys? Uh, Discord? But yes, Discord. Sometimes comes alive and it plays uh, sounds, you know? Apparently. There some are some factions that I need to know more about, though. Mm, mm. Um, so we're going to dive right in. So starting with the factions of destruction, as they can be broken down into. Um, so we're going to start with the Ogre Kingdoms, which are a very fun faction. Um, they are massive Eastern barbarians who will do any work for gold and will eat anything and anyone. They ride massive beasts resembling mammoths and saber-toothed tigers. Since ogres are guided solely by their stomachs, they spread devastation and destruction wherever they go. Ogres are often considered to be a neutral army and can end up fighting for any side in any conflict. They hire themselves out as mercenaries to feed their lust for food. They have a resemblance to humans from the Ice Age or Caveman, but they're fucking gigantic. Sorry, anything? Are they They, eating the bricks off the side of my house? Yep. They have been known to literally try and eat anything. They all come from this group of mountains where they worship this giant pit in the ground called the Maw, and they just found it one day, started feeding stuff to it, and it taught them magic. That's a fucking dub right there. So they have this thing of, holy fuck, we gotta keep eating so we can get big and strong like the hole, but we also gotta make sure we feed the hole... So they just throw shit in the hole and it gets eaten. Or they just eat the shit and it gets eaten. Ogres, man, they're fucking odd. They um, very much are the kind of fun, high fantasy thing of like the big lumbering barbarian dopey sort of sort of race, you know? They've got massive giants. They're all very dopey in the stories that you read about them, but also in a really brutal kind of fucked up sort of way. Um, next one that is the other side of the forces of destruction, we have the orcs and goblins. Uh, the tribes of orcs, goblins, and other green skins, as they are collectively called, are spread across the old world and into the east. They are mostly referred to as green skins due to obvious fucking reasons. Uh, the magic they use is called wag. Wag. And it is wag, drawn from. Luigi. <laughs> yes. And it is drawn from the power and energy of fighting green skins. A large horde is led by a great orc leader, or sometimes a goblin one, and orcs and or goblins, uh, a group of orcs um, and or goblins is called a warg. A warg. When they're going into battle, their sound to charge is their leader going wah, and they all yell wah and charge in. Orcs and goblins in this world are fucking hilarious as well. They are very much the same sort of dopey, gargantuan, bestial fantasy as the ogres. Um, their entire thing is kind of based around the idea of magic, their magic just works because they believe real hard that it's going to work. Um, oh yeah, orcs in fucking 40k have got the same thing going on. Yeah, exactly. In 40k orcs, they're very similar to fantasy orcs, but they're, um, theirs is their science and electronics and magic and they, their car doesn't have an engine, but it drives because they believe it's going to drive. It's kind of that same sort of... Because yeah. 40k is such a higher tech thing, the way that it comes out is like as a different version of science, whereas I'm intrigued to hear about WAG being what what powers they have. Because having yeah. the fact that you haven't described any spells yet, it sounds like they're convinced they have magic because the only spell they ever try to cast is run at the enemy and kill them. That they have um they do they do have access to different winds of magic. Um so like, you know, I think their their spells back in the day of Warhammer Fantasy was stuff like the Fist of Gork and the Foot of Mork, where just a big fist Yo! or a foot comes down from the sky and fucking <laughs> Um 
Yep, they believe <laughs> real hard magic. that a big fist is going to come down and it just kind of goes smush. Um, these are two very relatable races so far. One yep. just eats everything they see in their place. And <laughs> two... Uh, uh, the other one is fake it till they make it. So yep, that's, uh, legit. That's two two races that describe me. Personally. Legit. Um, they are <laughs> yeah, and the goblins they similar but a little bit smaller. Um, they're kind of more the sneaky sneak kind of goblins. Um, they infiltrate a lot more. Um, you get a type of goblin. They're they're kind of used for sacrifice in a lot of ways. So one way that they'll send goblins into battle is by tying them to massive balls on chain, and then it spins around and flies with the goblin. Um, (laughs) They have a catapult, which is just a goblin in, like, a wingsuit, and then the idea is that they throw him with the force of a catapult, and then the goblin guides himself to his death to crash into the enemy. This seems like a a lot of waste of manpower, I'll be honest. So that's the thing with um, Greenskins. The thing across all of Games Workshop with Greenskins, they're kind of very difficult to remove. Um, th- when you when you kill them, so they're going to come and kill you, right? Yes. If you kill them before they kill you, good. But when you kill them, spores escape off of their body. like my spores? spores? Those spores eventually <laughs> settle and grow more goblins and orcs. You're they're fucking me. plant creatures. The they're way they, re- you know, the way they, the way they reproduce, Matthew, is by killing each other. Fuck yeah! Thank you, so, thank you for answering the one question that's boring through my head. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, <laughs> like yes. that, 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 I love that because, like, you know, they say like uh, fun- fungi and mushrooms are like closer to humans than uh, than plants are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these like aren't even plants; they're like they're a fungal. Yeah, like an infection. So it turns into this big thing where. Once you, um, that's why, like, and I won't talk about 40k too much, that's a whole other can of worms, but it's easy to give an example. Sometimes in 40k, when they find a planet has orcs on it, they just pack up all their colonists and leave, because no matter how long you fight, you can keep the orcs under wraps, but you're never gonna get rid of them, because they're gonna... <laughs> end up, wind up in some big fucking hole in the middle of the fucking planet. They're going to rally up around a really big, tough orc leader. And the thing is, as well, the thing of reproducing being largely killing each other is often how one, the toughest and biggest orc... It's like advanced natural selection, you know? When they're killing each other to reproduce by fighting each other, they're going to find out the tougher ones pretty quickly. They end up following that one into battle, and it, yeah, it's a thing. Um, so that's the green skin. Oh, so if you're weak, you get turned into mushroom spores to grow more ones. You get exactly. Go. Exactly. So it's 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 not selective like evolution because that's like the the alpha genes yeah. kind of come together. It's like survival of the fittest. It, it is. It is a survival of the fittest yeah, yeah. times ten. Uh, because they grow very very quickly. So very very quickly, those ones grow up that are new. Then they die or kill. And yeah. Quickly, you can you go scorched earth on them? In Warhammer Fantasy, they have been known to do that. Uh, Sorry, in Warhammer 40k, they have been known to do that. Warhammer Fantasy, they don't really have access to that level of ability. Fire, right? Yeah, gotcha. Cool, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was gonna say what, one flamethrower, and you're gonna break a, you're gonna break yeah. a couple war crimes, but you're gonna get, get rid of them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, we'll get to the flamethrower people soon. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> yes, there are people in this world with flamethrowers. Don't worry. The who? Um, the next one we're yeah, going to explore <laughs> um, is the factions of death. Cool. So cool, all of the undead in the Warhammer world are the result result of the black sorceries devised by the first necromancer Nagash 
in the long distant past. The undead are effectively split into two distinct armies, the Tomb Kings, which have a strong ancient Egyptian feel with mummies and chariots driven by skeletons and giant Anubis and stuff, um, and the Army of the Vampire Counts, which features zo vampires, zombies, and so forth. You're going to love this next bit, guy. They are colloquially known as the Dry and Wet Undead, respectively. Yeah, the wet! <laughs> um, Tomb Kings located on the hot desert lands of Nehekara, to the south of the Old World, are a race that was once ruled by the necromancer Nagash. After a successful rebellion against his rule, he killed every mortal being in order to raise an unassailable army of the undead to conquer the rest of the world. He was stopped by the last king of Khemri. The aftermath of Nagash's great spell, however, awakened several thousand years' worth of buried dead and their kings, resulting in the undead army of the Tomb Kings. The armies consist mainly of Egyptian-style units such as bowmen, light infantry, and many chariots. That's um, a lot of dead. You. Yes. Um, the faction... Uh, sorry. Ooh. Uh, I skipped over the vampire counts. Oops. Vampire you counts. Can't, you can't do that. So can't that's that. so the Tomb Kings, you've got the kind of necromancy, ancient Egyptian feel sort of fantasy. There's a lot of fun there. You've got like the pharaohs, the big sand snakes, that sort of thing. Um, but then you've got the arguably... Probably one of the best gothic fantasy factions and models and artwork I've seen, uh, the Vampire Counts. So these guys started out as disciples of Nagash, who stole his secrets of eternal life. The vampires and their minions have spread all across the old world, outside of just that they don't live in the desert anymore, um, furthering their own aims. Um, there are five playable vampire families, each with different ambitions, habits, and powers. The Von Karsteins, the Nekarks, the Blood Dragons, the Lamians, and the Strigoi. Their armies mainly consist of classic undead such as zombies, skeletons, vampires, bats, ghouls, ghosts, oh my. Okay, so, so okay, two, a couple things. You said sand snakes? Sand snakes? They have For big, the Tomb Kings. They have big sand snakes. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Two, these vampire people, were they mm -hmm. originally raised and they just went, fuck you, I'm going to do my own shit over here? No, so the actual distinction, I wasn't going to get into it too much for the sake of ease, but I can quickly give you a rundown. The real distinguisher between them, the Tomb Kings, the Undead and the Tomb King faction, have their own free will. If you speak to an individual skeleton in the Tomb King army, it is an individual in a sense, because they were part of the massive raising that Nagash the first sorcerer did. They each got given the eternal life curse, so theirs is more of like an eternal life curse. Whereas the vampires, they are people that ran off with the secret to that spell and became necromancers over mindless hordes. So if you come up against an army controlled by a vampire, that's much more of your classic necromancer. There's one vampire controlling the horde of zombies and they're just a mindless rabble that are all controlled by him secretly. Whereas the Tomb Kings are a much more autonomous sort of each skeleton has its own free will to an extent. So so the OG, OG Necromancer was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want you guys to be fucking slaves. I just want you guys to just chill yeah. and just be immortal. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to eliminate death because death yeah. sucks. Exactly. And then the, yeah, the I... vampires are like, let's fucking corrupt this shit. Oh, 100%. That is, ex that is quite literally exactly what happened. Fucking vampires, man. Yep. They really suck. Yep. They sure do. <laughs> but um, tis. um, also, <laughs> do you think that the fucking blood dragons had that name before they were vampires, or were they like, "Cool, we're gonna live forever, we gotta <laughs> fix this shit"? I don't think I want to be called the von Vishmurts. Stevens. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Stevens in two thousand years. Go with something cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy Second shit, thing, imagine realizing you're immortal, so you change your family name. I mean, surely. Sick. <laughs> Second thing. Yes. Um, 
lot of lot of reviving and eternal life for a faction called death. Yep. <laughs> Just well, ironic. You know, the just, faction... just a bit of observational humor for you. What's the deal with all this revival yeah. shit? <laughs> it's the undead what's, faction, really. What's the deal but, with um, all this life? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next, we're going to go into the factions of chaos. Um, so the phrase slayers of darkness is used to cover all of those that have fallen under the control of or pledged themselves to the forces of the dark chaos gods. While the energies of chaos touch all things magical, there are those who give themselves willingly to the deities of this realm and seek to um, and seek to conquer not just the works of the old ones, but the very fabric of reality itself. The chaos gods are Games Workshop's pride and joy to an extent. They are the big thing of their own creation that bleeds through all of their own games. Is arguably the most unique thing to their individual IPs. Uh, it's the focus of most of their individual plot lines, the big events that happen in their worlds, the big narrative things, whether it's 40k, fantasy, or anywhere in between, the Chaos Gods are there. So the Chaos Gods um, are, first amongst them is Korn, the Blood God, the Lord of Skulls, the Lord of Battle. He's possessed and tower- uh, possessed of uh, towering and immortal fury. He's the classic giant horned red blood demon thing angry angry wrath that sort of thing um and i eat him in my breakfast every morning corn yes my beautiful boy calm um it's actually (laughs) corn with a c-h-o-r-n-e so we we all know he changed that just to get away from the vegetables and and from the band and from the band (laughs) and from the band this is very true we all know he was Um, number three on google search and he's like fuck i'm gonna change the spelling eh um, so Zinch, um, the bizarre and ever-changing architect of fate, weaves powerful sorceries to bind the future to his will. Um, giant kind of bird sorcerer-like creature is all about, like, secrets and bargaining of information, that sort of thing. Um, then you have got Nurgle, the plague father, Lord, <laughs> Lord of Decay, labors who labors endlessly to try his greatest to spread infection and pestilence to the poor people of the world that just want the touch of Grandpapa Nurgle. Nurgle is the only army I have ever played in any tabletop game. Good Nurgle? guy, Nurgle big fat Nurgle? guy, mm. the mm. great, the great unwashed or whatever the fuck he's called, great unclean one. That's the mm. one. Is he going to burgle my Nurgle? <laughs> the great and clean one guy is um, the greater <laughs> demon of Nurgle. We'll, we'll get to him later. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Nurgle. He's basically giant, fat, grotesque monstrosity. All of the Chaos Gods very much tickle that itch of like supreme dark fantasy. You've got um, Korn being like the super over-the-top violence and blood and skulls and bones and over-the-top wrath. You've got Zinch being, like, that really isolationist sort of terrifying dark fantasy, very kind of um, Cthulhu-y in that sense. Um, And then you've got Nurgle, which is, like, every possible bit of body horror and gore and, like, pus and everything you could possibly imagine disgusting. That's Nurgle. Um... And then the last of the Chaos Gods is Slanesh, the Dark Prince of Chaos, indulgent of every pleasure and excess, no matter how immoral or perverse. Basically, the god of fuck. The god of fucking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, Slanesh's <laughs> That's whole me, thing. That's me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, god, I wish that were me. Um, basically, the whole thing of Slanesh is 
all of life pleasures in excess, you know, whether it be lust, envy, whatever you want. The Selenesh cults in the worlds are the ones that'll be anything. Obviously, the whole meme is like, haha, Selenesh sex god. And it's like, yeah, a Selenesh cult might be full of people just having group orgies every week, but it also might just be people getting fucking drunk every single day or doing I... dumb shit every single day. Like, it's just anything that is just perverse pleasure. That is. Selenesh. I want to. Okay, you said envy. I want to go to a Selenesh cult and be like, this bitch. I was in line at the bakery. I had my eye on one of those apricot danishes. <laughs> motherfucker stole it from in front of me. They're like, that bitch. That motherfucker. Yeah, that bitch. We'll go I kill him. The Selenesh cult is like, that's us. Like, they're, they're the people that take the last cookie when everyone's awkward. There's like one yeah. left. They're yeah. like, oh, they are. So that's would it be. Baby. I mean, pride, I guess. That is yeah, something. envy probably wasn't the right word. But anyway, um, I was more thinking... I'm that last. guy. Yeah, they, they, they're, like, they're like those guys. They're out for their own pleasure, full stop. They are. They, they are. don't give a shit what mm, you fucking mm, think, mm. and I respect it. Oh, it's yeah. not the greatest personality trait, but if they're going to go full out, I respect it. 100%. Own it. Um, so that is the four gods. Then, serving them, we have the demons of chaos. Uh, they are the servants of the chaos gods they are made out of pure energy um, emerging from points of the world connected to the chaos realm Um, the chaos realm is otherwise known as the warp it is another dimension that does not affect does not abide by the laws of time in the traditional sense um by this, they basically mean that in Warhammer Fantasy and in Warhammer 40k, you get the same demon characters popping up in different narratives. So you'll be reading about one demon prince and his fight against the fucking space marines on this planet, and then next tomorrow you'll read about him fighting some high elves the next morning. You know, it's just just how it is. It'd be um, really hard to plan your war if time doesn't exist in your really yep. universe. You're like, oh, they they suck at it. You'd be like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, so we just defeated the space marines. Uh, last uh, eternity ago, and uh, fuck, uh, we're just ready to go into battle again. Ah, why, why do these guys have sticks and fucking stones? This is gonna yep. be way easier. Okay. What are we doing? Nice. What are we doing here now? What? It's less a battle fuck? and more just a random encounter. Yep, legit. <laughs> that is that is very much the demons. Uh, the demons make war of chaos. Random encounter sooner or later. As we'll get into, well, as I'll actually, I'll get into right now. Um, so the demons themselves are made out of. Uh, I, sorry, I did also want to put a fun fun bit in here. Sorry, I was making faces at these guys. <laughs> um, isn't there also a thing with 40k where they use the warp to like time travel or to like travel through space and stuff? Is like a yep, portal correct. thing. That is, in so 40k, that is their access to faster than light travel. For yeah, so That's 40k it. faster than light travel is powered by traveling through hell. <laughs> yep. so, so, so it's basically Minecraft. Yeah. You go yep. to the nether, travel for yep. a little bit, then be like, oh, I'll just, chuck it, yep. I'll just jump out of anyway, hell. Which it turns... No, that's right, yeah. And that's good, because I'm getting into the warp a little bit now. Okay, good, good, um, good, Because the whole thing of the warp is that it's this otherworldly thing, and it is just a realm of pure energy and potential energy. And that energy is what gets harvested or utilised. Harnessed is the word I'm looking for, sorry. Um, in the different settings, it is what gets harnessed for their magic. So in 40k, warp energy is what's used to fuel psychic powers, and then in Warhammer Fantasy, it's the fuel for the magic systems and the different yeah. magic spells you can do. Um, Let me just open up my brain to hell. Great. Yep, no, that is legit, and that is the thing. Whenever you miscast spells or miscast a psychic power, there is a chance that your caster, this was like an old 
like on the tabletop game, if you miscast a spell, your spellcaster could just straight up turn into a chaos demon right there and then. That's so fucking Because good. their whole point is they're taking the risk and gamble of utilizing energy from the warp. Um, now that's what I call cost for a magic I system. totally <laughs> agree. Um, you explode you, you into chaos up, You fuck past. up a little uh, fireball, you go, to, you go straight yep. to hell. Yep. Straight to hell. But it can also... But do it can also yeah, go to hell. can also do things like, you know, demons might, if you fuck up your spell and it gets loose, it might suddenly make a fucking whole, like, 20 chaos demons spawn next to you and they start murdering everyone. Like, that can happen. Winner! Um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to clean the dishes. Oh, no, yeah. but now I'm going to fight 20 <laughs> chaos demons. Yeah, um, <laughs> which, just to give you an idea of the power scale of these demons, uh, just a regular old town of men of the Empire would probably die to, like, two of them. So that's... Magic is very feared by certain groups of people in this you world. You know, sometimes I see worlds where magic is feared and it's like, oh, magic's so dangerous. And, like, the examples they give for sorcerers is like, oh, I make a little light on the end of my finger. Oh, I do a little bit of, like, a little bit of fire thing. It's like a well-placed art mm. arrow from a town guard could kill this guy. What do you, like, chill out. But then sometimes it makes more sense. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'll be yep. honest. Like, like... In, in our his, in the history of like our world, like people like were burned for being witches because it was associated with demons and Satan and stuff like that. But legit, if you're in a world where if you fuck up your spell, twenty fucking demons pop up, I think the church has a point. Like, yeah, like, oh, 100%. The, the church yeah, could yeah. show up and tell me tell Magic me burn the witches because I don't want no fucking chaos demons in my house. Yeah, well, for that reason, magic in this world is very respected and feared. Like being taught how to properly use sorcerers in this world would just be burnt at the stake most likely um however people that are very well practiced and trained wizards on the other hand are very well respected but kept in very close check um anyway so the thing with that so the warp energy sustains and is literally gives body to the demons in the material plane it's not really cool that in this world, but I just call it the material plane for the D&D nerds in this group because it makes more sense to them. Nice. Um, so the physical <laughs> world, you. the material plane, is where the demons appear and they are given form by the warp energy, psychic energy, magic, whatever you want to call it. The stronger the warp energy is, the more frequent and the stronger the demons are going to be. Um, and what that also means is when that energy starts to run out one way or another is then going to cause them to potentially disappear entirely. So if you have things that, like, can dispel magic or something, it can be a way to just make demons fucking disappear. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, entirely magical energy creations is, like, that's fun. That's a good way yeah, to counterbalance yeah, it. exactly. Because they are hell demons. But if you've yeah. got one good caster who knows what they're doing. Legit. It's how they get banished, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's also one of those things where um, they will... A lot of the time when different factions are fighting Chaos Demons, it's less about, holy fuck, we need to surround and kill this army as quickly as possible, and it more turns into a defensive strategy of, okay, we need to hold our lines together and cover them with shields and just do everything we can to hold these dudes at bay until their magic runs out and they disappear. They're, right, cool. Most of the time, they are on a bit of a timer in that sense before they will their body will just fall apart and they'll go. Um, so that's, that's, that's demons. Um, so they come in many forms, lesser, greater abominations, etc. They, <clears throat> they each resemble their father in a sense. 
The corn demons are red-skinned, <laughs> horned, spiky dudes. Uh, the Nurgle people are chubby, disease-ridden, pale-skinned demons. I fucking demons. love them so much. Oh, they look so disgusting. They've got They're like little blob guys. They got little like they got round little tummies and like intestines and stuff hanging out. It's great. Um, I'm imagining Murlocs from Wow. Yeah, they're actually not too dissimilar. Oh, the Nurglings are so cute. We'll get it. Oh, wow. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, then you've got these little pink and blue bird-like creatures casting spells coming from Zinch, and then you've got naked, pleasure-seeking demons from Slanesh with big uh, uh, pincer arms for some reason. I thought you were going to say something different. When you no. Then big, <laughs> no. big pincer arms. I mean, <laughs> um, if I was going to weaponize pleasure, I would just make a whole bunch of mascists. No, not mascists. Yes, mascists. Hmm. No, yeah, sadist, sadist is being hurt. Like, masochist is, yeah. I'd yeah. make just a bunch of masochists with giant pincer arms. Be like, yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. Um, so the main thing is the demons are near infinite in number in the demons realm of the warp. But as I was saying, they can only exist in the real world while sustained by their magic. Um, the next one of the factions of chaos is the warriors of chaos. Primarily humans who are favored by the four great gods of chaos. Um, these marauders emerge from the areas below the northern warp gate. Uh, which we'll get into what the warp gate is before too long. Um, and some are quite mutated by their devotion to the chaos gods. Some could almost pass for a regular human. Um, they basically, as they start to worship the gods and invite the chaos gods into themselves, it can cause mutations and such. Usually those mutations are a blessing because they give them power, but it also means they're further from a regular human. Um, so these, they, their personality and appearance will greatly change of those mutations. Um, but they'll also follow the god that they devote themselves to. So someone that's devoted themselves to corn will slowly start to turn into a big red-skinned horned demon that's full of anger and short-tempered and just wants to kill everyone. Someone who's worshipping Nurgle will start to bloat and like bits of their body will start to get disease-ridden and shit. Just that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, um, when you worship corn, like sometimes it's like kernels start appearing in weird places. Exactly, exactly. You, yeah. you find them all sorts of places. All um, sorts of places. It's quite mm, strange, but mm, quite tasty. It is. Uh, then the beast men are either born bestial to human... They are quite literally beast men, half man, half beast in whatever combination you can imagine. They can be so many different things. Um, but ultimately they are born <laughs> of... Imagining. But ultimately, they are born of chaos. Um, sometimes they are born bestial to human parents, so very kind of D&D tiefling in that sense, where they'll have a birth and, oh my god, it's got deer legs. I don't know. I desperately um, love that trope of oh just, dear. like, having a child mm. and just being like, ah, fuck. Ah, yep. fuck. Yep, what do we do? Um, <laughs> it's and a demon. The beast god men, it. You um, love it like it's your yeah. own. Come on, yeah. guys. Um, or sometimes they are just born and raised among the uh, the mutants in the wild. Beast men hate all that is civilized and untouched by the glories of chaos. Um, they are sort of a really good way to picture them to give you an exact idea of what their armies look like. Think the first Narnia movie, yeah. Sure. Fuck yeah. And think the white witch, the wicked witch, white witch, whatever her name is, the white witch. Think her army that's full the of witch like. Of the West? No, that's Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> think the White Witch. She's got like minotaurs in her army. She's got like weird goat men. She's got like fucking weird bird creatures. All those sorts of bestial things. Um, that is what the beastmen are. Pretty sure half of those are on the good side, but uh. Nope, only the fawns are. Go watch that movie. I watched it a week ago. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. Yep. Only, I only remember like the first five yep. minutes of that movie. I don't think I've ever actually watched it the whole way through. Fair. Even That's some of the beastmen are on her side. Yes. 
Um, the next one we're going to get to is a personal favourite of mine, who are technically a Chaos faction, um, and that is the Skaven. Yes, Matthew? Can I ask a question? Because I don't know if we're going to touch on it. Mm-hmm. Humans in this world, yep. are they just normal? Oh, we are getting to humans. Okay. They are actually the next one after the Skaven. Oh, okay, because uh, okay. you mentioned humans a few times, and it's just like, are, yeah. are they weird? Are they different? Than no, humans? no, they, they, yeah, we'll, we'll, they're they're a bit weird. But we'll aren't humans that. all weird? They're um, <laughs> they're they're French. Um, what? Oh no, not the French. <laughs> um, so the Skaven, oh. uh, the Skaven, otherwise known as the Ratmen or the Children of the Horned Skaven! Rat. Skaven. They are a chaotic. Steven? Skaven. They are the rat men. They're fucking little rat dudes. They're, they're great. Rat guys. They're hilarious. They're so, this is this is who I've been watching Jude play against for the past couple days. Yeah, they're, they're fucking, fucking great. great. Um they are basically a chaotic mockery of man's nations. Um inventive and insane. The rat men live in a vast network of tunnels beneath the Warhammer Kingdoms of Men, referred to as the Under Empire. Many human denizens of the old world do not believe the Skaven exist, much to their detriment. The crazed <laughs> mechanics the crazed mechanics of Clan Scryer create powerful yet unreliable weapons to aid their rampages, including but not limited to the Warp Lightning Cannon, a gigantic laser beam gun, is what that is. Fuck we yeah. have a rattling gun that is a rat-powered gatling gun. We have a warp fire thrower, which is a flamethrower. We have doom flayers, which are gigantic spinning wheels that are just covered in blades with a little rat running along the top. That's so good. <laughs> they have all sorts of crazy steampunk tech, and it is fucking hilarious. I um, don't think they can ever get past the amazingness of making a rat race who's inventive and giving them the rattling gun. That is the <laughs> best pun the I rattling gun. <laughs> yeah, it's so the rattling good. gun. It's great. Um, they, yeah, they, they are very great. Uh, I love Skaven. They're so silly and great, and they just, yeah, they're very hilarious. The creature. They fuck. They fuck. They that's fuck. The, that's the only word um, for it. They have, they, they have um, one of their characters that's personal favorite of mine is called Deathmaster Snitch, um, and he is famously one of the scariest and best individual duelist characters in the whole fucking game. And he's a rat that holds an extra dagger, a third dagger, and he holds that dagger in his tail. And he's a master they're, they're assassin. They're basically master splinter. Yeah. From um, I heard genuine fear. Fucking master, whatever his name was, is pursuing Snitch. Snitch. Was coming up behind Jude's army and genuinely heard fear in the voice. It was yep. <laughs> he's fucking terrifying, dude. Um, I fucking love is, it. I love, I love how they're like... They've, like, grown above and beyond when they're, with yep. their tech and shit like that. Yeah, they've it's had, great. Like, they're literally better than humans. Yep. Um, so, the um, it is said that one day the Seers, which are the big rats that lead them, will unite them and take over the whole world. <clears throat> nice. Little. I believe it. The Skaven have a very general steampunk motif, and um, in that the Skaven use primitive and magic-driven science and alchemy to kind of create medieval proto-science stuff. So it's fun. On. You were saying about the leaders. Are you saying that they're the giant rats that make all the rules? Is that a joke that neither of you got? That's so fucking sad. Never mind. Move on. No joke <laughs> in the house. I, I'm sorry. I'm so I don't get the joke, but I'm up with these rat people. Rise up. Rise I'm up. Se- yeah. I'm sending both of you a song after this from fucking 2010. <laughs> oh, I hate that. 
I despise I thought, that. I, I, I seriously thought Guy was about to say, I'm sending both of you a letter after this, and I want you guys to send a full no, it apology. It's like a written apology, both back to that. So after the Skaven, uh, we are going to move on to the Factions of Order. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to start with the two predominant kingdoms of men. Um, there are a bunch of other kingdoms of men. Maybe one day I'll do them. There's the, like... Um, what I'm going to do real quick as well, actually, because it'll just, like... Uh, because this will men, just... They're all the same. Just, just, just... Okay, I'd get in trouble. <laughs> I was going to say, just... I was going to say, just look at Europe. <laughs> um, let me just, like... If I, if I, if I save image as and then go to our messenger group chat and just, like chuck that in there can you guys view this oh what the fuck is it sending it okay you should I be out of messenger I, oh big image big image that is the warhammer world tell me if it looks familiar yeah it's the our world it's not what is is warhammer like uh like middle earth where it's supposed to be like our world but like millions of years ago like it's kind of, of just the map of our world a little bit ah. different. A few differences here and there. Um, I'm just looking at it. It's like there's South America, kind of America, kind of Canada, kind of Africa, attached to the Middle East, attached to Albion. Yeah, yeah. That's I'd like. I'm I'm looking at it. Yep. This is what's yep. Australia. The hinterlands that doesn't exist. No. There. Yeah. There's so, a few small differences here and there, but is is um. Sorry, they made a fucking... They, where Asia is, there's a fucking island off the edge of it that is called Nippon. That's fucking Japan, man. <laughs> if I'm yep. honest, this, this, this just, just looks like old maps of the world. Like this yeah, is, it's this just is exactly a shit map world. of the world. It's yeah. just a shit map of the world. Exactly. I was looking, at, I was looking um, at some of them the other day on like a mm. tour of like an old building, and they had like ancient maps of people that used to like cater to, this, to Australia. They were, I don't know how the fuck they got to Australia with these shit maps. Magic, man, magic. Um, but yeah, so the idea is they have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different factions of men um, that in the main part of the map, the, like, Europe area, um, they're basically just themed off of the different existing kingdoms. So you've got, like, a group called Cathay, which are a very, like, um, what's the word, sort of more medieval China-based faction, um, just in their belief system, their units, everything about them is very kind of that region-focused. You've got a group to the north called Kislev, who are, like, super, super Russia and Ukraine and that sort of region of the world-focused. Um, anyway, point is, there's a lot of different kingdoms of men. The main one is called the Empire. Um, the, the Empire... Empire. Yes, My empire. new empire. <laughs> Where yes. are they? Hold up, hold um, up, hold up. Where are they? Are they America? Middle, they no, they are middle of Europe. They're basically like... Um, I fucking knew it was going to be Europe or it was going to be America. Uh, that the, was it. The Holy Roman Empire. Only option. That is literally, no, that is literally it. They're all based off the Holy Roman Empire. Um, yeah. So the empire is one of the mightiest nations of the old world. The empire is based on the real world Holy Roman Empire, especially during the early modern period. The Empire benefits from a great diversity of units and magic. They also um, they also field an extensive variety of black powder weapons. Very Roman. Very Roman. So these are the guns. guys. 
these are the guys that while they've got um they're they're a little bit more kind of renaissance era technically speaking so they've got like a bit of a mixture between halberd and pike men they've got like swordmen with shields but then they've also got like dudes with handguns you know like so like, like if the romans didn't fuck up basically yeah <laughs> um but these are also the guys that have got the steam tank where the fuck do they get handguns from <laughs> they mentioned china it. obviously they just like, do you yeah. not know the history of black powder? God damn. I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit and get this fucking handgun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, black powder was a thing a long time ago. Anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Not wrong. The, um, so yeah, the Empire, they have black powder weapons. Um, they are, they're, they're kind of cool. Um, and yeah, they have these giant like metal devices that are called steam tanks they basically just drive across the fucking world just with a massive cannon on the front of them what are you gonna do about it i love that idea because in 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 ancient greece they had steam engines yep like they had the ancient idea for steam engines they just hadn't found a use for them yet yep and in ancient china they had basic steam engines that were powering things as well so Mm -hmm. it's like it's really interesting to see that like if if they were like so close to a great idea that if they actually made it how yep. much earlier it would have come around. Oh, yeah. And when you're in a world where you're under constant threat from chaos people and ogres and orcs and all sorts of stuff, you push for anything military you can get. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you've got demons every time you light, every time you uh, use magic to uh, clean I mean, up your house. <laughs> but also, being a scientist in this world feels like it would be a pain in the ass, though, because you hear of this, like, ancient artifact that's, like, you know, super powerful, can create explosions in a point that you choose further on, like, all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. <clears throat> and you go to the ancient ruin to go find it, and it's just a piece of metal, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, goddamn orc technology. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> oh, legit, yeah, it's great. It was, a f- it was bait. The whole time it was bait. <laughs> I'm never trusting those um, orc readings again. God damn it. Um, so that is the Empire. Um, mm. Once again, I could do I could do multiple episodes on the Empire. They've got so much interesting stuff going on with them, so many different factions, and How politics could... are really interesting, but I'm not going to go into it. it um, I assume it's different. Like very different from human history, though, because we're not just doing history episodes. No, God, no. God okay, no. good. Um, I'm gonna no. say, if we're doing history episodes, you guys are in Don't for a bit of a fucking day. Bretonians. Bretonia is a throwback feudal nation that relies on its haughty knights, heraldry, and their mysterious patron for military strength. Um, it is basically the French. It is basically the French armies before the Hundred Years' War, combined with a heavy dose of Arthurian myth, because they decided yeah. to make the French but Arthur. Um, Ooh, Bretonian armies, yeah, uh, Bretonian armies rely on heavy, powerful charges from their heavily armored knights um, in order to achieve victory. Bretonian knights are arguably the best heavy cavalry in the world, along with being the most varied. Hmm. Bretonian armies can also contain cheap and expendable units of unskilled peasants to serve as fodder. So they basically go into battle with these mighty lords and knights filled with people that have just been pulled off the farming fields to hold the line with a pitchfork. Yeah, nice. They're great. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, they're really fun, the Bretonians. Um, their king rides a big hippogriff and he's a cool dude, like Luan Leon Coeur is his name, I think. He's a... Interesting. Sorry, what? Luan Leon Coeur. Okay, it sounded like you Leon just. Kier. It sounded like you went hard on the first one. You went Leon, and then it was kind of. Look at you, you, you. Leon, the next, yeah. the next. So those sorry, are the French, only French two. Listeners. Those are the only two 
um, human races we're going to talk about. The next one, uh, the fa- next faction of order we're going to talk about is the dwarves. Yo! So the dwarves, yes, the dwarves are your next baby. big fucking steampunk fantasy sort of character race. Um, they are an ancient, grim, and determined race, um, and they were integral in the founding of the Empire. The dwarves spend their days avenging grudges and counting gold. Dwarves yeah. are the mightiest craftsmen in the Warhammer world, and in addition to enjoying the fine arms and armor, they implement the best heavy infantry and artillery in the game. Dwarf armies are well suited to defensive warfare, however, due to their lack of mobility, because they got stubby legs, they do not do well when forced to go on the offensive. Dwarves are legendary <laughs> for their ability to never forget a wrongdoing or a grudge. Um, they have an entire book in their capital city that is called the Book of Grudges, and if they add your name to the Book of Grudges, oh, they're never going to forget it. Um, <laughs> they, um, uh, they, because of this, um, oh, the, oh yes, that's right. Uh, they're also known by their ability to consume large quantities of ale, um, extreme stubbornness, mistrust of elves, um, and hatred of greenskins. Dwarves are the closest ally of humanity, although the elves of Ulthorn have united with the humans as well in the last few hundred years. Um, due to the horrid War of the Beard, the dwarves hold an eternal grudge against the High Elves. The War of the what? The War of the Beard. Tell me more. Yeah. I will, at some point. No! Um, the no, next no, no, faction. No, 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 no. <laughs> the Beard. The next, Which, who's, the next who's faction. Beard? No, the who's... next faction you're going to love, Matt. The Lizardmen. Yeah, my boys! (laughs) Um, Basically, picture a dinosaur man. Okay. Now, picture him riding a bigger dinosaur. Now, picture him being led into battle by a giant frogman on a floating chair. Yeah, what the fuck? Now, picture surrounding them an army of, like, giant skinks with small blow pipes. That's the lizardman. I found my boys. fucking go! Um, the lizardman... Okay, can, can, can we just appreciate how fucking insane it would be if us as humans were riding, like, bigger humans in the <laughs> Legit. They've got these, like, so the Saurus, uh, the general lizardman people, and they're kind of comparable to, like, your, I don't know, you could say, like, an Argonian if you know Skyrim, more like a Dragonborn if you know D&D. Big, tough, humanoid lizard, basically. And then lizard they'll fucking... People. And they'll ride a fucking T-Rex into battle. You know, it's funny as. Um, anyway, um, so they were the very first race to be created by the Old Ones, who are the creator gods of the Warhammer world. Nice. Um, and they were designed to be their army that was meant to hold back the chaos invasions of the world. <laughs> um, and they did. They did, um, and this yeah. is the time that we're going to talk a little bit about the. So the old ones are the ones who came into this world. They are basically we think we don't know a lot about them yet, but the idea is they are a starbound, cosmic hopping race that arrived at a blank slate of a world with nothing but a few creatures in it, and decided we could cook with this and created a world. Um, which, however, which creatures were, were already there. Um, dragons and, like, animals and stuff, but none of them were smart yet, is the idea. The old ones kind of brought sentience to the world. Um, they, however, when they arrived in the world, they left two gates on the world, the North Polar Gate and the South Polar Gate. They are literal floating gates above the Earth, at the top and bottom, 
and through those gates, the old ones could travel cosmically to other worlds. However, they also open to the warp, which is where nice. the chaos energies come through. So from ever since the old ones arrived, chaos has been able to slip through in small, very carefully measured amounts through those gates. The gates do a really good job of holding most of it back, but occasionally a bit gets through. So they created the Lizardmen, and their whole job was to roam the world and get rid of chaos. Nice. Um, they there are... ever been any hints that, like, in the distant future in, like, Warhammer 40k, that is actually them going back in time to create this? There's been some tie-ins with other backgrounds of some characters, yes. Um, there's, like, mentions of old gods that created this race on this world and stuff like that. And there's a few implications, yes. Um... Anyway, the Lizardmen are also based on Aztec and Mayan cultures, and um, in the New World, their main home island is corresponding with South America. So they have, like, very Aztec-like temples as their temple cities, all that sort of stuff. They're really, really cool faction, the Lizardmen. Nice. Next, we are going to talk about the Elves, finally. Um, so the Elves were... Yes? I just want, I just want to... Yep. Turn to the uh, human... Um conspiracy theory thing I, I just i like how the, the the lizards were the first people on earth just because there's like the conspiracy theory that the lizard people are the first true yeah. like race <laughs> on human earth yeah. and that that like humanity evolved and like drove the lizard people underground and that's why they don't exist on earth anymore mm-hmm. I, I, of, I love that little like touch there yep that's kind of the case in the warhammer world um <laughs> they know something man's what i'm saying um mm. so the elves were the third civilized race to walk the world they were brought from creation by the Old Ones straight after the Lizardmen. Um, the Elves showed an adeptness to magic and kind of became the first civilization that was allowed to just exist as a civilization and allowed to flourish by the Old Ones. Um, and they were kind of the favoured child of the creator gods. The Lizardmen, they, while a very flavourful and fun faction, they were always created to be a big beat stick to punch up chaos. That was always their purpose. The Slan Mages, as they are called, which are the giant frogmen, that is literally what they are. They are giant nice. frogs that are magically nice. attuned. Fuck yeah. Um, they kind of have yeah. a psychic magic connection with the Lizardmen, and they can control the big armies, kind of like... The Lizardmen do have individual individuality to them, but the Slan Mages can kind of take a little bit of a drone-like control over armies of them if they need to. Mm. Um, the Elves were allowed to just be a race. However, uh, because they fucked it up, they are torn asunder many thousands of years um, ago by a great civil war, which resulted in three major nations of Elves. The Wood Elves... Uh, the ruthless Azrai, as they are also known, abandoned their kin to both protect and restrain the strange sentient forest of Aethel Lauren in the Old World. They resemble the elves of Tolkien's Lothorian, for anyone that cares. Um, they appear to be neither good nor bad. They are very much the true neutral elves. Um, they are just as likely to kill lost travellers as they are to aid them, and they are also just as likely to hide and hope they don't find them. Sorry, um, I need I'll to th- know, did you say ruthless or ruthless? Ruthless. I still can't tell what you're saying. Ruthless. Ruth. T-H. Ruth. T-H. Ruthless. T-H. Okay, I thought you were saying ruthless, as in, like, these are the outdoor ones. 
They live outside. <laughs> I mean, also true. They kind of do. Um, they do anyway. be ruthless, though. <laughs> they do be ruthless. Um, they are the mortal enemies to the Beastmen because the Beastmen inhabit similar abandoned forests that they live in. Um, and get, they the wage... fuck, get the fuck out of here. We were here first. Yep, legit. Um, and they wage a silent war against them. Um, and by silent war, I mean literally there's a forest on the doorstep of the capital of the Empire that has had entire civilizations of wood elves fighting against entire tribes of beastmen and the empire had no idea either of them were there um just let the furries be furries okay legit um fucking elves man well the wood elves are tree hippies so like and also the um, dragonborn (laughs) lizard guys are scalies get your fucking term right yeah yeah sorry um the dark elves um (laughs) the dark elves are uh, the relentless and bitter druki as they are called um of nagaroth follow the droopies the Druki. Oh, the Druki. Shut up. <laughs> Druki. Um, they follow Malekith, the Witch King, um, who was exiled, but remember when I said you'll find small things lifted from other fantasy ideas? Mm-hmm. Norse mythology, Dark Elves, Malekith. You I was going to say, it's Malekith, he's here! Yep. yep. <laughs> um, who was exiled, but still claims to be the rightful heir to the High Elf throne. Um... The Dark Elves are the sworn enemies of the High Elves and try incessantly to invade their island of Ulthwan. That is literally their entire purpose in life. They do not care. The entire world could be about to die and they could be the only ones able to save it. They don't care. They're invading Ulthwan. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> They're like, yeah, but we won, though. Yeah. <laughs> They're about to die, <laughs> but, but we won. We took your island, so... Um, Make-A-Wish yeah, doesn't fuck. visit the Dark Elf kids. They've got no, one wish. No, they don't. They don't. They really They've got don't. one wish and they really can't do much about it. <laughs> um, dark Elves enjoy nothing more than inflicting pain and suffering on others. <laughs> they frequently <laughs> launch raids throughout the Old World with the sole purpose of capturing slaves to feed their hunger and cruelty. The Witch Elves of Cain perform blood rituals to rejuvenate their youth. So, yeah, they're basically just fucked up slavers and torturers who thrive off of hate. And they're pretty fucked up. This sounds like high elf propaganda to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. It it simultaneously is and isn't. What? Because there is... It's kind of that thing where to say that not that every single dark elf is a ruthless, torturing, sadistic fuck is incorrect... But to not say that at least fifty percent of them are would also be incorrect. So it's, it's kind the of vibe of the culture, but I wouldn't base every one of them. You know exactly. It's the... oh no, literally all of them are like a good half. Sixty percent of them are that fucked up. But there's also plenty that would be good. But also, yeah. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Um, it's not the... like an in. It's more of a culture thing than a thing. Their race is bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, the High Elves, um, the Azur carry on, all of the Elves are bad is kind of the point that I'm getting at here. Um, the Azur, um, carry on the ancient traditions of the Elven people on their island continent of Ulthwan, as well as the burdens of many millennia of arrogance and warfare. Without them, only demons would exist. This is a simple fact. They were the great saviors of the world, and boy did it go to their fucking heads. Um, they are really your classic high fantasy elf, noble kings, mighty warriors, grotesquely powerful mages, dragon riders leading armies of great squires, phoenixes soaring into battles, and nobles atop giant eagles and griffins. They are pretty sick, TBH. I fucking adore high elves have to be wanker racists on an island. Dwarves have to be wanker racists in the mountains. Like, it's just, it just, 
That's how yep. fantasy goes, baby. That's the yep. line. Um, in a world with real division in, like, actual and sentient races, um, so much fucking racist. Yep. <laughs> Racism. But, um, like, I, I, I do like how... I do like how... They are the coolest. They got the cool shit. They got fucking dragons. They got phoenixes. They shit. But, like... It would be... You, you, okay, they'd be 100% they saved the world. We get it. You save the world once. You get it. But, like, if you didn't talk about it, if you weren't big about it, we'd respect you. But you got to go and ruin it by bragging about it. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but once again, they're the same vein of the Dark Elves, where there's plenty... For every pretentious prick of a high elf, there's one that is just a genuine, the most selfless creature you'll meet on the whole world. It's how it be. And um, for every high elf that's an incredible, amazing sorcerer, it, there's a bunch of them that are just normal guys. Exactly. Because exactly. I was going to say, like, it is hilarious, though, that it's like, these are the god race. They are the ones gifted in the magic. They are amazing. However, you can beat them with sentient rats. Yes, it's a exactly. tabletop game, and so you have to be able to make them all viable against each other. Exactly. Um, hey, so it's, it's the, the arrogance. They don't the, see the rats as a threat, so that's how we get them. Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, but their kings and nobles can very much be the classic pretentious prick. Nice. And for every prick, there's a genuine hero, etc. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we will talk about the island of Ulthwan a little bit. So it's pretty key to the High Elf success, so I will mention it. It was the originally the home of the dragons before the elves were allowed to settle there. But in essence, think of it... No, they, they were allowed and they became They were allowed. Close. They kicked those fucking dragons out. No, okay. no, the dragons invited them, actually. Um, the dragons... <laughs> the, oh, the, the high elves are the biggest fucking simp for the dragons. Like, not even kidding. They respect the dragons as their rightful rulers. They're like, That's okay. so good. Um, <laughs> I love them simping. They're like, oh, please, let me stay with yeah. you, my dragons. Let um, me stay with you. Please, I just want, I just, I just want to touch your little feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in essence, the island is a hollow circle. Um, with one small gap in the centre of the southernmost point, basically forming a ring island. Um, the ring itself then has a massive mountain range all the way around the island, with the exception of a few key points. What this means is there are kingdoms on both sides of the mountains, but the interior is where the most majority of the population lives. It is so goddamn well protected, is the point. Um... The interior sea can only be breached by going through the small entrance at the southernmost point, which is where the capital city is and commands a huge sea gate and a powerful navy. The small holes in the mountain range are protected by gigantic gates, kind of Great Wall of China-esque, that are very nearly unbreachable. And even then, the mountains themselves are home to many villages, cities, and secret caves. So in time of great need, the elves can just retreat back up into the mountains. Yeah. It is a very tough to breach island. Um, anyway, that brings us on to the main focus for the episode. Um, I say main focus, there was both kind of just two, it was a double pronged fork of an episode, I guess. Uh, we're on to the second meat fork. Um, and that is the High Elves and their war against chaos. How the pricks I mean, became stuck up is how I have called this segment. Wow. Fork me once, shame on me. Fork me twice, shame on you, Jude. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, shame on you, but still do it. Fork me with your meaty fork. <laughs> I will fork you with my meaty fork. Um, oh, so yeah. long before the major factions um, here had emerged and become something prevalent, we only had two or three actual civilizations in the world. The unified people, the unified elven people of Ulthorn, a prosperous and great island hidden amongst the ocean, the lizardmen who stretched across the world from the north to the south, and the dwarves of the mountains. 
Technically, the green skins were also pretty well established here, but there's a funny thing where no one actually knows how they were created. They sort of just appeared one day and the old gods were like, what the fuck? And got really mad about it. Um, because this is a world where they created everything and then this race of orc and goblins just popped up. Um, and they kept sending the lizardmen to fight them and they just couldn't and the orcs just kept coming back. And then eventually they just kind of went, okay, sure. Are there, like, are there mushrooms in this world? Yes. Then they just grew. They just yeah. evolved one day. Oh, yeah, that's that's the idea, but they don't know that. Just this civilized barbaric <laughs> race popped up, and they're like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> These anyway. gods can't work this shit out? My God. Um, so their point is they keep coming back. Um, but for the most part, all was good and peaceful. Um, the chaos gods were restrained as the world was mostly devoid of magic, which, as I said before, is the lifeblood of the demons. And while the occasional surge of magic would come through the gates uh, and spawn a few demons near the north or south poles, the lizardmen simply had to hold them back long enough for the magic to run out and the demons would disappear uh, back into the warp. But then everything changed. The realm gates at the north and south poles collapsed and the winds of magic flooded through the world unrestrained. And worst of all, for reasons unknown, it is a heavily implied that the two events are connected but we don't actually know uh, the old ones were ripped out of the world and the connection to them cut uh oh fucking no. fucking oops yep like they got they got is it Evicted. ripped or they, they they went fuck i'm, I'm we're peace out let's well that's the big that's survive. that's one of the big debates of the warhammer community and fan base that people are always like oh do you reckon they left deliberately because they wanted to move on to something else like who knows maybe they did um and then then leaving collapse the gates that could be the case but we don't know um, the world began to fall apart to the unrestrained might of chaos very, very, very quickly. The northern gate broke away from the world and turned into the dark moon of Morsleb, the corrupting moon of chaos. Um, oh no. Green chaos-fueled meteors began raining from the sky, many Holy burrowing shit. deep underground, many more simply causing massive destruction. Creatures began to wither and mutate. The continents of men were overrun. The armies of lizardmen, now largely leaderless, were quickly overrun and pushed back into their ancient cities, and many of those cities falling as well. Before long, only one civilization was left safe, and that was the elves on that little island of Ulthuan. Fucking elves. Oh, the demons were spawning there, but they were, given, they were able to defend choke points a little bit more, is the yeah, idea. Yeah, they sent to the dragons. Baby. Yeah. The dragons were eating um, And all the chaos forces began to converge on Ulthuan. So it didn't last for long. Um, this brings us to the first chaos incursion of Ulthuan. The golden age of peace on Ulthuan came to an abrupt end. Born across the sea on monstrous demonic vessels, or excreted from tears in the fabric of the world itself, hideous servants of the chaos gods flooded forth. Against them, the children of the Everqueen, the elves at this point, had literally no chance. They were un they were completely unschooled in warfare. They had never fought they lived on a peaceful island. They have never fought anything in their life. Um, their magic race. they only had <laughs> magic that was designed for peaceful pursuits. Um, and so black armored warriors burned sacred groves, hideous beastmen massacred entire villages and towns, demons gibbered in the ruins of ancient settlements. <laughs> Sorry, the elves... gibbered. Yes, I, I found that. that exact quote off the wiki and I loved it too much, not included. That's such a um, good quote. Just like, and being like, <laughs> they and are the demons all... did dance on their graves. They did a bit of a jig when they fell. No, but I also enjoy, like, they're burning down the cities. They're gibbering in my ruins. <laughs> Legit. Um, they're, that's... they're dabbing on my grandmother's earth. <laughs> How you know I mean? dare you? <laughs> um, 
So that's all I the love, I love the idea. Yeah. I, I'm just imagining seeing this is 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 done by like an old Englishman going, Oh, good old days. Did you see the, the fall of the empire? The, all the elves are gone. Yes. Well, back in um, my day, I did a bit of gibbering in the ruins. <laughs> um, so all the elves could do was flee. Their bows and spears, which were only used for hunting, and the very rare jewel of honor, were basically useless against the armor of the chaos warriors and the brazen hides of demons. The elves hid in the caves and woods and mountainsides and prayed to their gods that they would not be found and that a hero would emerge to deliver them from this evil. Can you guess? Can you guess what happened? They all died. I fucking wish. <laughs> the, the lizard people rose up and they saved everyone. Not quite. So I'm going to send a quote into the chat, and I'm going to get Guy to read this first one. Um, as we move on to the next segment called Azurians Chosen. There it is. I was multitasking chats trying to figure out what you were sending it. How am I reading this? Give me direction. Um, give me, give me a bit of a like heroic storyteller voice. Phoenix King, they called him. Now he had passed through the sacred flames and come out the other side, not burned, but stronger, faster, and more alive than any mortal should be. He had sacrificed himself. He had offered himself as a sacrifice to save his people when the gods had rejected all others and they had taken his flesh and his agony as their offering and sent him back transformed to do their work. Um, Toilets, just... keep going. <laughs> we will see. Um, and this is, the, this, this is about the chosen of the gods who we are getting to now. From the red murk of this age emerged Anarion greatest and most tragic of all elf heroes, a doomed champion, a fallen god, mightiest warrior in an age of constant warfare, the first, best loved, and most accursed of all the Phoenix Kings of Ulthuan. You motherfucker. He. Um, tall, light, you have a confused look on your face, Matt. Uh, is, 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 the god, you said the gods, right? Yes. Which gods? Didn't the chaos? Didn't the chaos gods? They don't. They they they're taking over the world, and the and the old gods, the new the gods, uh, the have gone. Mm-hmm. So which um, gods? We don't fully know what they are. There is the different va- the different factions worship different gods. We don't know if it is the old gods themselves. We don't know if it's demigods that the old gods created. All we know is different races have different pantheons that they worship. Sick. Um, how tangible and real these gods are? Who knows? We live in a world of magic. Um, who's to say? I mean, they just rose a phoenix fucking uh, god king warrior from the from the fucking earth. So yeah, pretty real. Uh, well, yeah, but also, like, who's to say it's not just a really powerful mage, you know? <laughs> he just made up a story. He's like, yeah, I got this quick, I got these six well, skills, but, like, yeah. fuck, that's um, never going to go well with the press. I need something yeah. sick to go with. Yeah. Um, so, tall, live, and strong, a wanderer who had travelled the length and breadth of the world, Anarion returned to Ulthuan in its time of greatest need. Realising that the pitiful weapons of the elves could not stand against the unfurled fury of chaos, he battled his way through the land to the shrine of Azurian, and there pleaded with the creator god of the elves to aid his people. If the god heard, he gave no sign. He burned offerings, and the god did not respond. He sacrificed a white lamb. No aid came. 
Finally, in desperation, Anarion offered himself, saying he would cast himself into the sacred fire if Azurian would only save his people. As the god made no response, Anarion kept to his promise and strode into the eternal flame. Oaths of sacrifice upon his lips. Agony raked his body, pain seared his limbs, his hair caught fire, his heart stopped. Those who watched thought he was dead. Then a miracle occurred. Anarion refused to die. Slowly, painfully, he staggered through the fire. As he did so, his burned skin healed and his scorched hair regrew. He emerged from the flame unscathed, transformed by the cleansing fire. The spirit of Azurian had entered him. There was a light about him that all onlookers could see. All were aware that he had become the vessel of a transcendent power. When he spoke, the elves hastened to obey. Leaving the shrine, Anarion led the elves to war. Immediately outside the shrine, he faced a howling chaos horde. With a single throw of his hunting spear, he threw the demon lord commanding the force. The weapon is said to have torn straight through the demon lord's body, then through the chest of his standard bearer next to him, before coming to rest in the neck of a minotaur next to them. Weaponless, Anarion strode down the steps toward the stunned demons. Then, scarcely breaking a step, he b- took up the demon lord's weapon and butchered the rest of the host on his own. <laughs> what a Word, fucking chad. He is an absolute chad, just you wait. Word of Anarion's victory quickly spread across Ulthorn. All elvenkind took heart at his actions and rallied to him, even as the demons rel- reeled from the defeat. Kalidor Dragon Tamer, the greatest wizard of this era, swore fealty to Anarion, and together they trained the elves in the art of battle. While Anarion, while yes, question, Matt. <laughs> I'm just like, hear, 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 hear. Man, too angry to die, slays entire army with one <laughs> fucking spear. Yes, legit. <laughs> um. So, while Anarion bade the priests of all forge mighty weapons tempered in the Thilmar and steel. Um, Kalidor, the mage, undertook the tutelage of his fellow mages, teaching them great sorceries to banish and destroy rather than create and protect the way they had known magic before. Thus changed the elves' fortunes, because they took a minute to learn how to fight. During this time, Kalidor and Anarion became very close friends, and truly sought to build the elven empire together. They created powerful magical relics, um, powerful magical relics using the unrestrained power of magic to their advantage. Magic is loose in the world and demons are using it. Doesn't mean we can't use it as well. Nice. Um, and they created all the relics that would eventually be passed down the elven bloodlines for generations to come. Kalidor also invited Anarion to his homeland, the Land of Dragons, and formed a bond between him and Endrognir, the eldest and most powerful of the dragons. Sort of the dragon king in a sense. Um, this guy's the biggest chat. Oh, yeah. Man's completing bonus missions now. Yep. Um, like a thunderbolt, the elves descended from the mountains of Kalidor. Dragon-mounted knights smashed the armies of beastmen. Forces of heavily armed and armored infantry drove the followers of the four chaos powers before them. In the campaign that followed, Anarion forged his army in the way a smith would temper a sword. Mounted an on Indrognir and clad in a suit of invulnerable armor wrought in legendary and... Uh, Wrought within the legendary Anvil of All, he led the way into every battle. Anarion was like a unto a god of war himself. With this new army flew hundreds of thousands of dragons, allies of the elves since the dawn of that race. Oh the yeah, stars- hold, oh, 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 hold on, I totally forgot. They have dragons, why weren't yep. they using these fucking guys? 
Oh, no, uh, because they whole, didn't want to. Place, because they didn't want to. Oh, no, it's so scary. Dragons, come hide with us in the caves. <laughs> what? The, no, the, the elves were hiding in the dragon's caves. There's a big difference there. They're still dragons. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't want to fight yet. Um, that, I, I think they just hadn't realized the dragons were good at fighting yet. There hadn't been any big fights. Yeah, yet, right? that's also they're the fucking like, dragons. I can look at a T Rex and know nothing about it, <laughs> apart from the fact that it can kill. Um, yeah, anyway, but you're like, um, I, I see a car as a thing of transport, but yeah. I could use it in, in war. That would be a fucking. If I am uh, a medieval fucking peasant. I see a car going down a road at 80 k's an hour. I think that one thing about that thing, and it's that it will kill me. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the transport is secondary. <laughs> The skies themselves. The skies themselves came alive with the number, and the demons were driven back in disarray before their wrath. In the inner circle of the island, Anarion slew Zinch's keeper of secrets, Nakari, banishing the demon from the mortal plane for centuries. In the foothills of the island's north, he smashed the corn-worshipping army of Organ the Slayer. He cleared the boundaries of the sacred grove on the island of apples from the skull dancers of Slanesh and their mistress Azaela Silken Thighs. Um, <laughs> um, Not dragon- my corn and my apples, no! <laughs> um, Dragonfire incinerated Hugin the Plague Lord and the rotting legions of Nurgle. Then, for Hugin. a moment, then for a moment, the war seemed to end. Brief peace settled over Ulthuan like the shroud over a corpse. It was the peace of death and sorrow in a land weary of war and made listless by loss. Their entire kingdom had basically been torn to shreds, but hey, they came back and took it. <laughs> um, legit. Um, it was the first time... Um, it was a time of brief liaisons and temporary gladness. The polar gates continued to run out of control, gnawing into the heart of the world like a cancer. The tide of magic continued to rise. Um, Ulthuan, on a natural fault line in the fabric of reality, was saturated with the energy of magic. The Anuli Mountains, which is the mountain range around that island, glittered with polychromatic light. Mothers began to give birth to monsters. The voice of chaos gods thundered in the valleys. Terrible laughter filled the burning night. Strange events and portents abounded. Oracles began to go mad with fear. The keeper of the shrine of Zurian plucked out his own eyes, but even this did not stop the terrible visions he was suffering. When questioned about the fate of the world, he refused to speak. That's so funny. So basically, yeah. they won, but all of this bad shit's still happening. Sorry. <laughs> Day yeah, after World War the war. bad, but fucking World War Two is gonna be fucking way worse. <laughs> yeah. Day after the war, they're all chilling out. They're like, all right, guys, Sunday mass. They're all standing outside the temple doors. And they hear from inside, just like, Aah! just like, hmm, that seems like a bad sign. You you cut <laughs> off there. I assume you just screamed. No, it would have come through on my mic. I did like a little uh. behind the hands distance scream. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Um, um mm. I, I I like how we we said how we said earlier that the half the elves we have to appreciate them because they did save the world, right? And they did, but. Let's be honest. That one, that one guy saved the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If there wasn't for that one guy. Thanks, Anarion. <laughs> thanks, Anarion, for for walking into a fire and then yep. being too cool to die and yep. then saving the entire world. Uh Kalador becomes the real hero. We'll talk about him a bit. Um, the mage, Kalador, his buddy. Yeah. Um, so his during mate, you know? during this time, Anarion came to the court of the Ever Queen. Um, Anarion was a striking figure, a tied giant in golden armor. There he met and married the Everqueen, Astariel. Little is known of their courtship, but it is said that, for a brief time, they were very happy. 
Their firstborn children were twins, a daughter and the future ever-queen, Yvrain, and a son, Morelion. Then the forces of Chaos returned once more in force, and Narion was summoned again to battle. Um, that's the thing about the elves. The only, um, the high elves at least, um, the Phoenix King is very much a, um, elected position in a sense. They, well, I say that they've tried over the years, a bunch of different ways of like, Hey, what if that old Phoenix King's son became, Oh, okay. He was a terrible King. We're never having hereditary <laughs> Kings again. Um, Oh, let's vote this. Let's vote this time. Oh, that worked really well. Oh, he wasn't very good. Okay. They basically, the point is pretty much every time a new King comes around, they try electing in a different way. Um, the Ever Queen is one is a ruler that has always been hereditary since the very foundation of their island. It's always been the Ever Queen passed on to her daughter, passed on to her daughter, etc. Um, the so this brings us to the second chaos incursion. Um, round two, baby, round two. It is. Um, I'm so I'm gonna regret this so hard, but I'm gonna give this next big quote to Matt to read. Yeah. Um, Remember, the first word is the dragon's name, and it is Indrognir. Indrognir. Okay, what, Andrognir. what, 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 oh, Indrognir. what vibe? What vibe do you want? Um, um, World War Two is over, and yeah, World War Two is about to begin, baby. <laughs> and this is D Day. We'll land on the beaches. Ha! Indrognir land. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll do. I'll do an epic voice. Oh, lovely. Indrognir landed, crushing more dragons beneath his bulk. More, more demons, not more dragons. Crushing more demons beneath <laughs> his bulk. I can't read. <laughs> An Arion leapt from his saddle throne, pinning another demon beneath his spear tip as he landed on the floor of the rocky valley. Dragon and king fought side by side. An Arion's spear, a white blur of destruction. Fuck, I've got the dragon. Indrognir. Indrogni's fangs and claws, rending and tearing all that came within reach, tail snapping and cracking behind. (laughs) Around and about them, the dragon... Fuck, I can't read it. The dragon princes struck every pass, helding by a thrush of wind from beneath a dragon's wind, and completion completed with a clutch of bodies cast into the air. These are long sentences. <laughs> Higher up the slope, Calador and Eoldron led the elf, elven lords down into the melee, swords and spears flickering as, a fi- as fire burns across a piece of parchment, the line of elves surely advanced leaving naught but the ruin of the demons behind. Um, and that is description of Anarion once again leading the princes of the elves to battle. The implication um, of the term saddle throne has got my mind blazing. Oh, yeah. That is so fucking good. Oh, yeah. The fucking... You should see the old models of high elf princes on dragons. It was just this, like, fucking amazing throne just on the back of a dragon. That's just so was. good. Because oh, yeah. too often the royals are penned up in, like, a little box behind the horse. Mm-hmm. Put that fucking seat on top of the horse. Mm-hmm. Make mm-hmm. it look baller. Exactly right. Fuck yeah. Um, so... War surged over the length and breadth of Ulthorn once more. At first, the elves and their draconic allies had the mastery... 
But slowly but surely, the followers... Um, slowly and surely, rather, the followers of Chaos gained the upper hand. More and more demons and corrupt things emerged from the warp gates. More and more men were transformed into the mutating power of the great clouds of Chaos magic drifting from the poles. More and more monsters swarmed down from the glowing mountains. Every elf, wallow- every elf warrior who fell was nigh irreplaceable, but every for every Chaos worshipper who fell, there were two more to take his place. I was expecting a Hydra quote from Matt there, but that's okay. Um, um, it, um, the war dragged on in this way for decades. At times, a dint of heroic effort. Um, by a dint of heroic effort, the elves achieved breathing space and cleared their lands. Sometimes they even managed to launch expeditions onto other continents to aid the dwarves or humans, but it was obvious that the war was being lost. Any victory slowly, um, any victory merely slowed the inevitable defeat. Any defeat accelerated the process immeasurably. In the end, all the elves, even Anarion himself, began to grow tired of the unceasing conflict. Uh, so to give you a bit of an idea, the elves in this world are known to live for two and a half to three thousand years. They live a long fucking time, mm. and this war is going on for like this is this this fact, especially this second incursion is literally like hundreds of years. So if you think from the perspective, humans are being born and living their entire lives in this war. And these same group of elves who were alive at the start of it are fighting through all of it. It's exhausting. I also love that Mm. they clear out their land and then they go in to the other continents to try and help out the other races. You mentioned the dwarves. Yeah. (laughs) Their entire mountain is covered in demons. The elves are like... Can we give you a hand? They're like, hey, fuck off, you dainty way bastards. <laughs> no, they're actually still friends at this point. We haven't, oh, had, the, we haven't, had, the, we haven't had the War of the Beard yet. We haven't um, had uh, racism initiated. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is our mountain. We got it. We'll um, fight our own fucking demons, mind you. Uh, the forces of chaos fought on, showing neither weakness nor mercy. They were relentless, insane, and deadly. Then came two incidents that were to echo down the long ages of elf history and set the stage for the great dramas that were to follow. It was Kalidor, that wise ancient mage, who proposed a plan to thwart the powers of chaos. Years of experimentation had taught him that the Old One's gates had collapsed, and it was those ancient devices that allowed the followers of darkness to invade the world. Kalidor devised a plan to gather these energies and return them to the realm of chaos, and to create a cosmic vortex that would drain the magic from the world, and save its inhabitants from chaos. It was a desperate plan, with little hope of success, but Kalidor and many like him thought a last desperate gamble would be preferable to the slow death of the elf people. Um, Anarion was opposed to this, calling it a Council of Despair. Although in his heart he knew that the war was unwinnable, he was determined to put put off the end for as long as possible. If news of a brutal demonic attack had not reached Denarion, he likely would have changed Kalidor's mind entirely, such was his charisma and powers of reason. In the camp of the Elven army, Anarion and Kalidor were in the midst of their last great argument when fatal news was brought to Anarion. The messenger, wounded and weary unto death, wept as he relayed to the Phoenix King how Astariel, his wife, had been slain, her city torn to shreds, and Anarion's children could not be found in the carnage. The demons had made an attack on her city. Um, This leads us to the next segment, The Widowmaker. Nice. Um, this quote I will read myself. Um, <clears throat> the ground shook and rock crumbled as Anarion's fist closed upon the hilt. He pulled the sword free from its stone prison and held it aloft. 
Blood seeped from the runes etched into the blade and poured in thick rivulets across his hand and down his arm, trailing crimson across his armour. Godslayer, Widowmaker, Doom of Worlds, Spear of Vengeance, Death Shard, Ice Fang, and Heaven Blight. They like names in Warhammer. By many names it was called, <laughs> by mortal and demon gods, but one name alone truly held. The Sword of Cain, Lord of Murder. Now it was the Sword of Anarion. <laughs> Does that imply that Cain and Abel existed in this world as well? Yeah. What about Cain is one of the gods. Um, oh, I forgot about that. No, it's okay. I was thinking about Cain and Abel from the Bible. <laughs> no, that is no, that, that 100% is the reference they're going for here. Ah, I see. Just you okay. It's not um, that they actually had Cain and Abel who didn't fucking murder his brother with a rock. Come on. <laughs> well, um, he deserved it. So that's the quote that sums up this next section. But to start it off, um, no one could meet Narion's gaze. He was overcome with rage and bitterness and titanic fury. He swore that he would kill every single chaos creature on the face of the world. And few who doubted, uh, few who heard him doubted his resolution or his madness. The dark powers were too strong to overcome. Anarion did not think so anymore. He announced that he would travel to the Blighted Isles. Dread filled those who heard his word, for it could mean only one thing. Anarion, Phoenix King, greatest of the elves, would travel to the Blighted Isles and draw forth the Sword of Cain. A weapon of terrible power, the Sword of Cain had waited, embedded in the great black altar of Cain since the beginning of time. As old as the world, it was the ultimate weapon, death made manifest. A spear of a fatal weapon forged for the death god Cain, capable of slaying mortals and gods alike. All knew that to wield Cain's blade was to invite death, damn your soul, and doom your lineage forevermore. Upon learning of his liege's intent, Kalidor beseeched Anarion, his old friend, to relent, but he would not be dissuaded. Seized for a moment by the power of prophecy, Kalidor spoke words that would ring down the ages. He told Anarion that if, if he sought such corrupt power, he would bring aeons of tragedy to the elves, and he and his line would be accursed to the last generation, that the gods would turn their faces from him, and that Anarion himself would surely die. Ignoring all warnings from mortals and immortals alike, the Phoenix King climbed onto the back of Indrognir and set off to the Blighted Isles. The journey was long and arduous, and tested even by the strength of the uh, and tested even the strength of the mighty dragon Indrognir. As he flew, portents abounded. Winged demons assailed elf and dragon alike as they travelled, trying to turn Anarion from his path. The elf gods whispered words of warning in his ear, but if he heard, he paid them no heed. Even the Chaos Gods attempted to discourage him from his goal. Probably. Even the Chaos just Gods? Just going to encourage him. Well, they were scared of this blade. This blade could kill them if he came into the warp. Um, yeah, but I, I think if the Demon Gods started to be like, hey, man, this, this war is not that serious. I know I literally killed yeah. your entire family. This isn't that that's serious, just, just, just chill out. Let's that. chill. Yeah, I yeah. also love the sword of super murder, made for murder that makes you murder super hard that makes you super murder. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my yep. God. It is <laughs> chill. <laughs> Also, it's um, from the, the dawn of time, from the god yep. of death, embodiment yep. of all destruction in the world. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, even the chaos gods attempted to discourage him from his goal, and Anarion contended that they feared the blade. A great what? storm yes. blew up as he approached the island, as if the elements themselves were trying to drive him from his chosen path. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, um, you shouldn't come here. Yeah, now nah, fuck off, pussy. 
<laughs> and Drognir was mighty even as Dragon's measure strength, but even he was weary by the time he bore an Aryan to his destination. It was a really fucking hard journey, is what we're trying to get at here. Um, <laughs> man had a trip. Man had a trip. Um, before plunging into the maelstrom, Indrognir gave his own warning, counselling Anarion that he would have no peace in this life or the next should he follow through <laughs> of his plan. Only upon hearing the words of the millennia-old dragon did Anarion briefly pause, but even this did not dissuade him for long. Parting ways from Indrognir, just a few leagues from the altar itself, Anarion walked towards his fate. There, he was assailed by spirits. The ghost of his wife appeared then, pleading him to turn back. <laughs> Though Anorion loved his wife dearly, he hardened his heart and wrenched the great blood-dripping weapon from the altar, appearing to come out of her itself, sealing his fate and that of his people. Holy shit. (laughs) Sorry. It's one of those things of, like, if I'm making a decision that seems kind of like it could go bad, it can't go that bad because there's no one time-traveling to stop me. (laughs) This is... This man's making a bad decision and the whole <laughs> fucking world, including the person who he's doing it for, is like, hey, never, never. don't. When, um, when your like, dragon mate goes, yeah, this isn't the greatest plan. I'll be honest, the dragon shouldn't have brought him there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, dump him in the ocean. What's he going to do? Yeah, like, you got to cool off, man. Yeah. Have a swim. <laughs> um, it always amused me. It, it feels like um, when you're like a newer D&D party and the DM's really trying hard to not let you do this particular murder hobo <laughs> thing. Oh, oh, your 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 long dead sister appears and says, no, stop. Oh, cleric, the king himself. Cleric, your, your god's whispering to you saying that this may be the bad point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad idea. I do it anyway. Um, yeah. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you absolutely sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's um, it's pretty crazy. Um, so this brings us into the next segment, a mortal god. If the gods had given him the strength, the sword had made him all but invincible. Where he walked, demons died. Where he led, victory was inevitable. But he could not be everywhere, and with every day the forces he op- that opposed him grew stronger, and those who followed him grew fewer and fewer. When Anarion returned to the fray, his power was without match. None who stood before him could prevail, for his arm was strengthened by the creator god, and in his hand he bore the Widowmaker, and gods and demons alike trembled at his wrath. Those elves most embittered by the war against Chaos flocked to their king, and he created a kingdom in the north of Ulthuan, in the dismal land of Nagarath, a group of elves who were particularly embittered and hatred-driven by the war. Wink, wink. Um, there, to the surprise of everyone, he took another wife, the strange, mysterious, and beautiful sorceress Marathi, whom he had rescued from a band of Slaneshi. Um, to them was born another son, Malakith, who was to become the most hated of elves. The court of Anarion was a wild place, full of desperate gaiety and feverish mirth. Say gaiety? That's a quote from the wiki, baby. Yeah, sure is. Um, in the Old English sense. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. They were very gay. It's great. And I, we loved it. In the Tolkien sense, yes. Um... The court of Anarion earned itself a dark reputation, and the elves of other lands were reluctant to go there. Unrest fermented, and many decried Anarion's merciless persecution of, of all who defied him. Sensing the growing evil in the land, Kalador led his dragon riders south, completely abandoning his friend. He was dismayed by the change of Anarion, and could see the darkness in his soul warring with the light. Anarion decried the departure of the dragon riders as a betrayal, and swore he would be avenged on their prince. But 
Fortunately, the demons struck again before his wrath could bear fruit. The war reached its final stage, an unequal contest of might between the elves and the innumerable legions of the four chaos powers. Touched by Assyrian and marked by Cain, Anarion was all but an invincible warrior, a child of darkness and light. His blade lent him power beyond mortal reckoning. The eternal flame gave him strength to use it. In battle, Anarion slew foes beyond reckoning. His loyal mountain Drogonir was a match for any demon, and yet there was only one Anarion, and the number of his followers was finite. During the long years of war, their numbers slowly dwindled, till the most savage, cunning, and ruthless survived only to carry on the war. It became obvious to everyone but Anarion that the war was lost, and the world was doomed to eternal darkness. Which brings us to the last segment, The Last Battle. I was gonna say, like, even if you have the best man of all time, you just avoid him. You just send your yep. like little troops to him, yep. and you just avoid him. It's the shit that like um... Bowser does. That's why you fight all the Goombas in the first place. <laughs> exactly, of exactly. I was gonna say like Napoleon did, but sure. <laughs> yeah, Napoleon's. You are umming for too long. I had to ad lib. Okay, <laughs> Bowser um, is my boy. Bowser gonna, is my chip. I'll give this last quote here to Guy describing the last battle. Um, is this this is a quote from Anarion himself. Oh, Jesus. Take it away, guy. What? <laughs> Take it away, Ernie. You quoting the night bus, you son of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> uh, today will be our last battle. Today, for better or worse, this, for better or worse, this war ends, he shouted. His voice carried even over the bellowing of the dragons. He's commanding dragons. This bitch is cool as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Today we go forth from this place to victory or to death. Gird on your armor. Make ready your lances. We ride. Rawr. And that is his final speech before they departed. Um, before he Calador. fucking died, he turns around and gets brained by a demon. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, not quite. Um, Calador, fully aware of Narion's insipid madness, decided that there was only one thing left he could do. Up until then, um, he had respected his old friend's commands, stopping him from creating the Vortex. But now, with the world about to end in blood and fire, there was literally nothing left to lose. So, Calador called together a convocation of the greatest high elf mages that were left alive, and they assembled on the Isle of Dead to begin the construction of the Great Vortex. The mightiest sorcerer demons, uh, sorcerer demons of the Chaos Host set to work to breach the spell walls around the island. With Kalidor Dragon Tamer intent on performing the ritual, Anarion was left with no choice. He assembled his forces and moved to defend the mages on the island, the two friends coming together in one last final battle. At the centre of Ulthuan, the two forces met, dragons so numerous that their wings darkened the sky of the chaos ho over the Chaos Host. On land and sea, total war was fought between elf and demonic minion. The death agonies of monsters filled the sea with foam. Dragons plummeted earthward, killed by fatal spells. As the creation of the vortex began, the seas churned and a terrible wind blew from the north. The skies darkened and lightning bolts lashed the tortured earth. While the battle raged, the high elf sorcerers chanted the spells that would create the vortex. Chain lightning flickered, the world shuddered. For a moment, all was calm, all was silent. Then the mountains shivered, terrible energies pulsed between earth and sky. From the mountain tops, bolts of pure power leaped to converge over the Isle of the Dead. The clouds swirled and rushed inward, vanishing in on themselves like waves in a whirlpool. The air grew thick and clotted with magical armor. 
All present found it hard to breathe, their lungs filled with magical energy. The ground was split and vast chunks of rock were carried into the sky by the rising tide of magic. All the while, Anarion and his outnumbered army fought. While the sorcerers struggled to complete this ritual. One by one, they died. The weakest first, as the magic of the sorcerers brought they sought to control, burned out their minds. As the mages of Ulthwan faded away, Anarion and his faithful dragon Androgonir were locked in battle against four towering greater demons of chaos sent to destroy him. It was a battle that no mortal should ever have been able to survive, for each of the demons was the mightiest of its kind. But Anarion was the vessel of the god's wrath, and in his hand was the sword of Cain. So naturally, the first of the four to die was the Lord of Change, Kairos Fateweaver, his head cloven in two with a single blow as the demon's magical fires cascaded off of Anarion's blessed shield. Atop one of the floating islands, Anarion once again brought the, cha- the Keeper of Secrets, Nakari. Its terrible grasp could not cut through Anarion's armour, but the pressure was too much, and one of Anarion's ribs began to crack. Um, he, a few ribs got broken by this one. Uh, the pain would have killed a lesser being, but Anarion had passed through the fire of Azurian and agony could not slow him. The elven god king reversed his grip on his blade and drove it through the demon's chest. In Anarion's hand, the sword of Cain dripped smoldering blood and the demonic blade took on a life of its own. It whispered terrible threats and promises into his mind. Having drunk the demon's soul, the blade filled Anarion with new strength. The Phoenix King then staggered toward the retowering form of the Great Unclean One, Throttle Gurkle Spew. Yeah! The names of these guys spew. fucking rock. Um, so good. It loomed over him, chuckling with preternatural uh, malice. Anarion drew his blade across the Nurgle thing's gut, slicing it through the fleshy sack of its belly and unleashing a seemingly unending tide of foulness. A wave of corruption, pus, bile, and writhing white maggots threatened to fill Anarion's lungs. The thing's entrails themselves racked around him like big tentacles. Slowly, Anarion was being drawn inside the demon's innards to be choked and killed in disease. Um, even as he hacked away, more tentacles looped around him and continued to drag him into the filth. He called desperately out to Androgonir for help. The old dragon turned his head and seared the... pretty much just annihilated the great unclean one with one big dragon breath. Yeah! To put it lightly. <laughs> um, protect, but Anarion, clad in his enchanted armor, was unscathed at the center of the firestorm. Man, man, fire doesn't touch this man. The man's already walked through a bunch of... Fire. However... Calling upon Indrogneer's help was not without cost, as the last of the four, the bloodthirster of corn, Hagrim Dreadax, was able to bring through a swing and nearly cleave, um, basically, basically deal a mortal blow to Indrogneer. Mm-hmm. Um, no! Indrogneer fell to the ground, and Arion reached, lashed forward, striking out for the sword of Cain. As the demon struck again and broke Anarion's shield arm before Anarion was able to bring up the Sword of Cain and carve the demon in two. On the Isle of the Dead, as Anarion fell, the last surviving mages completed their chant. For a moment, all was quiet. Around Anarion, his foes defeated and his body ruined, Anarion climbed wearily into the saddle of his dying dragon, and they took off to the air for their last flight. Buffeted by raging winds, Indrogonir carried the dying phoenix king high above the battlefield looking down he saw the final fearful act of the day with the terrible flash that all but blinded the onlookers the island vanished behind a raging storm of magical energy the ritual was completed or at least partially so 
The High Elf Sorcerers, despite mostly dying in the process, had succeeded in opening a vortex to drain away the raging magic, but they were trapped within it, eternally keeping it open, forever trapped in the battle with chaos. After the silence came the thunder. Tidal waves rippled across the inner sea, great walls of water that sank ships and brought trees on distant shores toppling down. Those who could fled, those who could not died. It seemed as if all the magical power in the world was being trapped in the centre of the storm that would last for days. Meanwhile, Indrognir bore the dying, dying Anarion toward the Blighted Isle once more. The receding tide of magic had reduced his power. The touch of Azurian was no longer as strong in his mind, and the Sword of Cain was no longer providing him with limitless strength. The great days of high magic were over. As the power withdrew, the madness lifted from Anarion's mind. The first Phoenix King had time to think of the demon's taunts. His, con his conscience warred with the whispered promises of the semi-sentient sword. He knew that should anyone else take the weapon of Cain, they could rule this world. Barely managing to complete the journey, Indrognir crashed on the ground of the shores of the dismal island. Trembling from fatigue and terrible wounds to his ancient body, Indrognir gave one last bellow of defiance and died. Anarion, alone, crawled back to the altar of Cain and drove the blade back into its resting place in the altar, embedding it so deep that none could ever draw it forth again. Then, it is said, he crawled back down the beach, laid down beside the ravaged and torn bulk of his beloved steed, and passed from that age of the world. The immediate effects of Kalidor Dragon Tamer's rituals were a series of magical storms, earthquakes, and tidal waves that ravaged the land for three days. Thousands died as the shores of Orthwin were swept clear by monstrous waves, ships were sunk, and the sky was split by lightning bolts. When the storms abated, though, the polar gates were sealed and the demonic legions were gone. Orthwan was a land in ruins, but at least it had a future. Magic had been tamed. Spellcasters were significantly less powerful now, yes, and far lesser feats were capable with magic, but Chaos was unable to properly get a grasp into the world, except through the slow corrupting presence on the minds of mortals. And so, the elves were the saviors of the world, through Kalidor Dragon Tamer, the great mage. The great heroes went into legend and myth, and their throne was taken by ever lesser people. Due to the heroism of Kalidor and Anarion, no one could ever really fill their shoes. They tried to elect a king who would be a mighty warrior once more, but found that enemies were made uh, enemies were made where friends could have been instead. They tried descendants taking the throne instead, realized it was a terrible idea. This is what <laughs> led to the War of the Beard. Um, tried more scholarly kings, and the realm flourished in many ways, but no one could ever be as innovative as Kalidor himself, of course. The problem with such a long-living race is that um, no one could live up to them, and everyone that's alive could remember those guys pretty clearly. <laughs> um, so, it, you know... Um, yeah, okay. it's, a bit, it's a bit hard to live for the guys who literally yes. fucking uh, saved the world. I'll quickly okay. finish the sentence, then I'll let you. Um, yeah. The problem with a long-living race, um, that that's, this is a problem that I find is not always explored in other fantasies, is that we see a lot of people who were alive at the time of the like setting that we're dealing with, so where the game happens, they were alive at the time when all the great myths happened. So everyone and everything is directly compared to them. Um, you were saying, go? Okay, two things real quick. One, okay, Anarion heading into that battle and it's like a battle no mortal could survive. Like, he does die at the end. That's big fucking quotation marks around the word mortal in that sentence. Oh, yeah. Man is Man's so, so far from what you would call a yeah. mortal. 
He's but like that's a level okay. 40 character at this point. But Second thing, I love that we started off with like, yeah, rat race, rattling gun, woo! To like, thousands died as the waves swept the shores. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, this got real dark real fast. It's real Remember what I, I like, said? I, like I the, fucking froth this shit. This is so good. I like the wording of your thing, like... All the when like they were putting together a team to 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 do this magic no one's ever done before to put away chaos, and they had to pick the most powerful mages that were left. Yep. <laughs> I love the idea that they <laughs> that they had. Uh, we have they have Calabrinbor, like this ancient mage. We have uh, Tomothrion, some uh, uh, elite scholar, and we have. Tim, because, <laughs> Tim uh, the Enchanter, yeah, my nephew who has an internship here because we have no one left. Yep. The other guys legit. are all gone. Yep, <laughs> everyone else. Yep. Oh um, so the Curse of Anarion, as it would eventually become called, um, the taint left upon his lineage by the blade of uh, Cain, um, would ever flow down his line of ancestors. Their very souls tainted by his choice to wield the Widowmaker. His direct son, after picking up the blade, Malekith, would become perhaps the most corrupt of any elf, eventually perpetrating and leading the war that would lead to the formation of the Dark Elves. His other relatives, the descendants of his escaped son and daughter, they actually ended up surviving. I was going to um, say, did they find those kids? They did. Were they, were um, there seven? Sorry? Were there seven? No, oh, there were two much. kids. Okay. Um, but they escaped. They actually, a big tree man by the name of Oakheart, like, grew around them and then escaped with them into the forest to he's hide from fucking, chaos. And then at the end of the just, war, reemerged. Uh, okay, Groot. Yeah, straight up. Fucking <laughs> um, naming conventions. God damn it. Oakheart. Yeah. Hey, Lord of the Rings has tree beard, okay? It's um, the exact same. <laughs> Fantasy's got a fucking disease. Yeah. Um, so I've got yeah. my tree man called Oakbeard. I've got my elf called. No, hey. no, no, my elf called Sharp Ears. <laughs> hey, what can I say? Um, Dwarf so... called Mine More. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my orc called Swing Axe. <laughs> um, so, um, yes, eventually, Le- so Malekith basically became a very Tim. evil and corrupt elf. Um, his other relatives um, would prove to suffer the curse in other ways. Um, some of them physically suffered, while others had a corrupt heart, or would pay the price of the Widowmaker. So, at the time of the game, there are two... I think they're technically Anarion's grandsons, um, and they are two of, like, the great legendary heroes you can use in the Hyle faction. Um, one of them is called Teclas, and he is a Omega powerful, super well-attuned mage who's meant to be, like, this really, really gifted sorcerer, um... But he suffers from incredible physical weakness. He like gets horribly sick all the time. <laughs> He's like, if you sta- it, like if you whack him too hard, he'll just break. Sort of like he's just very physically frail. Every kind of physical weakness and fatigue and everything he's got. He's kind nice. of in all of the books that you can read about him. He's very much described to have like um, chronic fatigue and that sort of just general bodily every Shit possible is. issue. He's very ill. Um, he's Tyrion. On the other hand, does not have any of that. He is a very legendary warrior and skilled sword fighter, very echoing after Anarion. However, he, at very few moments, and especially towards the end of some of the narrative of the Warhammer world, starts to give in to the same terrible temptations and evil heart that Anarion showed when he picked up the Sword of Cain. Um, I like anyway. the idea that if anyone's related to this guy, 
you can just watch out, see if they if they've got like diseases and they're like a little frail and shit like that. They, they you know they you can trust them, but if they're like fine, you're like this guy's a fucking yep. cunt. This dude's gonna he's gonna do something bad. He's gonna up. do a murder. He's gonna do a murder. <laughs> um, but yes, so that is Warhammer High Fantasy: The Age of Chaos and Elves that Saved It All, and now they live won't shut on the air. Fuck up about it. And now, live on air, right here from our own living room, I'm going to peer pressure you two in deciding what you want to hear about next time I go into Warhammer. Note, I'm not saying my next episode will be Warhammer, but, like, if I do a Warhammer episode again, what you decide is what I will do. So, your choices may be... Yes. Gothic fantasy vampires. Mm Mm-hmm. Goths? Mm Mm-hmm steampunk underground dwelling rat men and their surprisingly intricate empire mm-hmm. dark fantasy chaos demons and their followers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the sundering of high and dark elves mm-hmm. yeah. the dwarves and the elves falling out over the war of the beard mm-hmm. or something else that I've mentioned in this episode so yeah I see this as a clear, clear option guy. I know? would say that, except for the fact that I'm torn between two. But I know what you're going to say, so I know what's going to win. I will cast my votes first. Ratmen. War of the Beard. Matthew? Are those, are those your two votes? Those are my two votes. I, I would like to make the argument for Scaly Boys. What? I want to see. I want to. I want to know more about this. You scaly. put your fingers into a nefarious little triangle the moment he said Ratman, and I was so certain that was what you were dedicated for. I would also highly like the Ratman to be a thing. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think it'd be interesting. I don't know how much you know about Warhammer 40k, but how like the the differences and like the kind of like crossover or pullover from 40k would be really interesting to see as well. Oh yeah, no, I know. A lot about 40k a lot, depressingly. <laughs> um. so I, I think that would be really interesting. I, I, I vote if Scalies, if there's enough episode. Rats, fuck yeah, I love, I love steampunk and the Rat Boys sounds so cool. But also, like, 40k seems really cool and that's really popular. So, like, I love to see, like, how universes kind of lose that, a different version of their, their own news and how, like, every race has evolved into this new tech and stuff like that. I think that'd be really interesting. And I love racism, so I'd love to hear about the War of the Beard. So that's, yeah. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Um, well, I'll be honest. As a level episode, 18 racist myself. Mm, mm. Oh my God. Um, this episode, we were able to get deep, through That's the, a deep cut joke. You can't we just were, say that. <laughs> we were able to get through the content of this episode a bit quicker than I was expecting. Um, so if you want, I can give you like a five, ten minute abridged version of the War of the Beard, if that's what you want. I need to have dinner. (laughs) I forgot we were recording and so I haven't eaten yet. This is what happens when you, when we try and speak and make, make uh, funny jokes and you just fucking powers through. Hey man, (laughs) it was a wild ride. What can I say? (laughs) You just got a, uh, a wall of text and he will keep talking. It doesn't matter what we try and put in. I would love to hear about the War of the Beards, but also about its deep ancestors. So I don't want to blow my War of the Beards Ah, bit yet. You you don't want to, you don't want to blow your War of the Beard, not just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Not just yet. Well, we don't. 
we don't want to get too hairy too early. You know? No, I mean? we don't. We don't. We don't. Exactly right. You know, um, we might just put, I might just uh, go a strand too far. If you know what I mean. I mean, we yeah, should trim yeah, the episode yeah. down a little bit, shave a bit off, and yeah, just, yeah I, de- I definitely agree. Mm, I definitely mm, agree. Mm, We're getting mm, a bit of a. We should get a bit of a, a buzz cut and then go mm, go, mm, go into the next one. Cool. Well, and thank you all for listening. Well, we we might not be going into the war of the beards, but. Uh, if you uh, liked this hairy, hairy bit of an episode, and if you, you want to hear uh, about when it when we do do the War of the Beard, maybe eventually if we do mm-hmm, the War of the Beards, and maybe a bit of a mustache if, uh, as well, um, go to <laughs> I don't know, uh, go to iTunes or Spotify and rate us five stars and uh, follow us. Uh, uh, on your respective platforms. Additionally, we are at living at living by the law on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all you find yourself. And uh, honestly, best thing you can do is share this episode with your mates. What? Tell, tell your mates about this. Listen to this with your mates. Give. The, Tell them so you can talk to them about the War of the Beards and all these fucking uh, demon boys. That's including bullshit. My mate Corn. Best thing you can do is share us with your friends. No, best thing you can do is kiss me on the lips. Square on the lips. Come on. Pucker up. Don't come on. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, so the best thing you can do is send Guy a lips. A send, lip, send your lips your... in the mail. <laughs> You're right. The, third, the, the second best you can do is uh, sponsor us. And the third best you can do is tell your mates. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm just going to stick to tell mates, honestly. No, kiss your mates and tell them about lips. <laughs> No, better yet, mates, and then tell you about them. Better yet, is the best way. Make out with someone while listening to this episode. I'm sure it'll really set the tone. Yeah, (laughs) it really does. It it is very gaily. As the set, just like the elves, we are very gaily on this episode. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful evening. Goodbye. Have a great morning. Good night. Good afternoon. Goodbye. Good (laughs) times with your friends, kissing them on the lips. So, back to Vexology. Thank you for listening to Living by the Law. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us on iTunes and tell your friends. The link is in the description, and thank you in advance. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Living by the Law to keep updated on the latest about our podcast. We have been, and always will be, Living by the Law. Thank you for your company, and good night.